Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! Very excited for this episode of the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Hey, I'm excited too. I'm not going to lie. Oh, sorry. You're Greg Tito. And you are Shelly Mazzanoble. Hi. I'm so sorry. I got so excited about what we're this this whole episode today. It's I like saw. kind of like a dream team, a double I header of awesome. Feel that excitement. It was exubing through yeah. your microphones into exubing. <laughs> That's not even how the word works. <laughs> but I love it. Uh, yes, yeah, we get to talk to uh, so many fun folks. Lucas Maxwell, who is a school librarian doing wonderful things with uh, secondary school children in England, in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a return of a segment, Insight Check, with Sarah Sherb, a copywriter on the D&D franchise creative team. And she's going to tell us some fun things about a little movie you may have heard of called Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Mm, I've heard of it. Indeed. It is in theaters, uh, or it has been in theaters, but it, it is now, very excitingly, available for more on many folks. Demand. On the, demand, I cast Watch Movie now from your not? living room. I want that spell, Watch Movie Now. You have that spell. It is available to you, Greg. You can do it. That's right. We can all do it. And uh, there's even um, a DVD that will be coming out later this month, but you can pre-order it now. And if you grab it on digital, there's a ton of bonus stuff on there, like deleted mm-hmm. scenes and and uh, bestiary of all the things on there. You know, uh, a, a little, what do they call those? Featurettes? Featurettes yes. on on uh, forging the Forgotten Realms. and I know. I thought that was so cool, like seeing like the locations, um Gag reel, who doesn't right? love that? I know, because you get to see the cast, you know, joking around, making each other laugh, improvising, mm-hmm. uh, which is a wonderful way for us to talk to Sarah Sure, because I think, I don't want to give her, uh, uh, you know, too much credit, but I think it's really her that uh, yeah. fostered all of that um, creativity and improvisation by having a D&D game. With that I, cast. I mean, it has to be. It just has to be. It's all about Sarah. It's all about Sarah. It is a, <laughs> it is the Sarah Sherb show that I had to say very carefully so that I did not flub those words. But let's uh let's get with a little insect check right about now. Let's let's do it. Let's welcome Sarah Sherb for a episode segment thing of <laughs> Insight Check. We haven't Yay! done one of these in so long, but we're very excited. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Hello, hello. Thanks for having me today, guys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So you are a, uh, the technical term is a copywriter, but you do so many amazing things uh, for the D&D creative franchise team. What, what is that? What, do you, what, what is some of your, your day-to-day duties there? Yeah, um, so I am writing a copy that goes out to help some of our partners who are transforming D&D into entertainment, like film, like TV, uh, and also in publishing. So that means uh, all your favorite comics, you know, graphic novels, 
uh, pop-up books, anything else that's out there. Um, we are, are arming creators with basically the know-how of uh, translating D&D, our characters, our worlds, and then making it wonderful for people to read and watch. Um, so a lot of the uh, documents that those kinds of partners are, are receiving, I'm writing. It also means that I'm a kind of a lore master, and I might even be occasionally brought in to DM a game so that people who we are working with who have never experienced D&D before can experience the fun of rolling polyhedral dice. I, I think I want to change your title to Lore Master. I think that's I the know. best the best title ever. Hold on, but I'm running my dice here. I, I only got a 14 uh, on the that's inside check. So I don't know if that's real. What do you think? What's, what's your modifier? <laughs> Plus 95. There, there you, you go. go. She's the Lore Master. This is a Zone uh, of Truth deal now. Are you so are you available for like corporate D&D team building events? I am. It's possible that I have done so in the past. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's really fun to DM for groups of newbies, whether it is, uh, you know, partners who have never done before, whether it's celebrities, uh, mm. or or even, you know, uh, just folks who have never who have never tried it and are scared. Uh, there's nothing Aww. more magical. Yeah, there's nothing more magical than kind of being the D&D Sherpa to folks and, and uh, <laughs> they, they get it so quickly sure. and Sherba. 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 Yes, I feel like there's something there. You're the copywriter. I'm going to leave that to you. (laughs) Um, But you know what? Why don't we talk a little bit maybe about some of those celebrities that have had the pleasure of sitting at your table? Um, Anyone notable that maybe we would have heard of? Um, just a little group, you know, no one, no one's super notable. Uh, there's one guy named, uh, Chris, one, one, one person named Michelle. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had the absolute honor of, uh, DMing for the majority of the honor among thieves cast and crew, uh, right before they started filming the movie in, uh, spring 2021. And, uh, wow. what, what an incredible pleasure it was to have them at my remote table. Oh, Oh, so you got Amazing. to play with that whole crew. Were they playing their characters from the movie? They were, um, yes. So the the players who came to us were uh, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Sophia Lillis, uh, Justice Smith, Reggae Jean Page, and the writers and directors of the film, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. What and a party. That is a great party. An amazing party. party. Yes, absolutely. And uh, they they were so excited to play their own characters from the movie. They were about to start filming the very next day. This was the very first day that they had all met in person. They had all Wow. Just, yeah, they had all just gotten out of quarantine and uh, gotten to hmm. check out the studio in Northern Ireland. And they right before they started uh, filming, they sat down to play as their characters to get them in the mood and to bond them. This is incredible. You know, like, it just makes sense. Even if your movie isn't about Dungeons and Dragons, this seems like a great way to to get people bonded. Like, you, because it has to happen quickly. You don't have that much time when you're making a movie. And it's not just you saying that, Shelley. I think Chris Pine said that. Indeed, there's there's really nothing that bonds a group of people faster than having to come up with a plan that gets them across a bottomless chasm while they're being chased by a sentient purple worm drilling machine. Oh my but gosh. Wait, was that was that what was you played with them? Of your, was <laughs> yes. this your So you okay, you wrote your own one shot for this. Not only are you just like, sure, I can DM these people. No problem. You just went and wrote your own one shot too. I did. Uh, I, I came up with something that I thought would really uh, 
bring the strengths of this party out and also allow them to role play. Um, and so I set it uh, a, a little bit after the events of the film uh, so that all there, we wouldn't waste any time with, you know, who are you and what are you doing? You know, all the characters would already know each other and they could just jump straight into role playing because nice. the, the idea behind this was that this was the first time they got to embody their characters. They got to improvise as them, you know, really play, figure out who their characters were off the page for the first oh, time. Interesting, and, and of course, also to experience the joy of D&D, of, of playing and, and becoming a party, which they were about to do uh, for the next few months. That's so cool. So they had had the script. They had, you know, they, they, they knew all about their character and probably had some meetings with the directors and writers. But this was literally the first time they got to embody those characters in front of each other. This was the first time, and uh, it was wonderful. I was able to do some session uh, zeros with each of the cast members and, and the directors before we started playing, and I got to ask them, you know, What's your experience with D&D? Have you ever played before? Do you have any idea what you're about to get into? <laughs> um, and it was it was wonderful. A lot of them had played before. Of course, the the uh, the directors, John and Jonathan, are very well versed in D&D. They had written the script. Uh, we decided that because they were about to direct the the uh, the film together and basically be joined at the hip for the next two years, we were going to really join them at the hip and they were going to co-play one character together. So oh. we decided they would play a two-headed version of everyone's favorite Aarakocra, Jarnathan. No. It they was played Jarnathan. They played Jarnathan. A two-headed. Yep. The, I honestly think the only thing better than a Jarnathan is a two-headed Jarnathan. <laughs> I I am a big Jonathan Jonathan fan, um, but wow. Okay, so what? Tell us a little bit about those session zeros now. For for those that maybe hadn't played, were any of them like I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but it's going to be cool. Absolutely. Uh, so we did a we did remote session. The, the entire session was remote. I was in Seattle. They were all together in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Uh, Ireland. So I did a series. Of one uh, of one-on-one session zeros with the cast uh, at some pretty wacky times for me. I was calling them up <laughs> at two a.m., three a.m., four a.m., and wow. uh, talking about their backgrounds. Lots um, of coffee. Yeah, lots of coffee. <laughs> lots of we were. They were waking up. I was trying to stay up. A lot of eating oatmeal and drinking coffee together on Zoom. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The, the two people who had, had not played before were Justice, who plays Simon in the movie, and uh, Reggae Jean-Page, who plays Zenk in the movie. However, both of them were really, like, very ready to go. They had a lot of context. Justice had done his homework. He had been reading up on the source books. He was all ready to go. He even rolled his character before I had a chance to roll his character. He came oh, in wow. with a fully rolled character sheet. Yes. Like so correctly, like it was correct and everything. It was correct. Yeah. Wow. I I, I can't say the same for myself. No. Nope. <laughs> he used D and D Beyond. It was really easy. I do too. <laughs> Still get it wrong. <laughs> and all I had to do was just add a couple of fun like homebrew spell items. I I gave him a couple of items that he has in the movie and a couple of other just you know fun things so that he could. Uh, experience the joy of uh, chaotic random magic items like an alchemy jug. And uh, then Reggae is a big time video game player. He loves particularly JRPGs and TRPGs. So even though he had not actually sat at a table and played D&D, he fully understood kind of what we were about to do. And he was able to roll into the the RP and the the, uh, turn-based style of the game incredibly easily. So do you think that 
like any part of their characters, whether whether or not it was evident from what we saw on screen, do you think any part of it was a result of playing that character in this setting? Any part of like their backstory maybe that was influenced by what happened in the game? I get the sense that they understood the whole the whole aspect of you know you make a plan it's a good plan it just doesn't work because of the dice or because of you know the dm doing sneaky shenanigans on you um they fully understood that part of the movie from the game and i think they leaned in even harder uh after playing the game on that i know that justice came in with an idea of sort of his where his where Simon's magic comes from and 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 how he's a sorcerer, but he is the inheritor of magic from wizards. And he was really thinking deeply about uh, his backstory. He has kind of a headcanon backstory for that. And he was able to speak to that a little bit in the game, which was wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I do know, I was told by uh, one of the people on production that uh, the, the scenes that they filmed the next day were some of the iconic beach sequences in, in oh. the movie. So for those who have seen the movie, uh, the, where, where Zenk takes his leave of the party and walks off in a very yes. straight line, <laughs> continues to be one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie. Um, they filmed those sequences just the next day. And uh, so I had given him a cape of billowing in a, excuse me, a cloak of billowing in the game, which he kept activating to be very heroic with his cloak. And then the next day he stood up on a bluff at the beach and said, look, it's billowing. My cloak is billowing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it must have felt like a real magic item. <laughs> there was real magic involved. Oh, oh that's, that's so, so great. cool. So the, uh, so the directors as the, as the two headed Jonathan, uh, did they have conflict or did they work really well together? I, I wonder. They work great together. You know, we we know that these two have have direct, you know directed and written scripts uh, previously in their career, and so I knew that there would be no problem with them uh, being able to come together and decide on each of Jonathan's actions. Uh, they they barely even had to um, to converse when they were deciding on an action to take. They just kind of said like. Does this make sense? Yeah, this makes sense. Let's go. And it was wonderful to see. See, I bet that even was great before starting to film because, I mean, having two directors can sometimes be confusing, right? Because you're like, oh, who am I? Who do I listen to? Like, who's the who's the person who's making the call? But then by showing it at the game yeah. that they had the trust with each other and that they were able to to kind of share that responsibility at the table probably gave a lot of uh, uh, you know confidence that they would be able to share those responsibilities on set. Definitely. The directors, uh, I think they were they were consciously trying to stand back just a little bit and let the actors have more of the, the spotlight and the big heroic moments at the table. But they also they they really got their their D&D brains on. I could see it happening at, at one point. They uh, they decided to to shove uh, Reggae's character Zank into a bag of holding for a couple of seconds, and they said, you know, okay, we're going to put you in the bag of holding. And then a few moments later, uh, Justice, who plays Simon, said, well, I have a bag of holding as well. And and the director said, oh yeah, we're using your bag of holding. And he goes, you're using it without my permission. And <laughs> Michelle, I just remember Michelle going, now that is some real director. BS right there. (laughs) (laughs) Director privilege, right? To be able to be like, nope, we're already using it. We knew what was on your character sheet to begin with Mm because we designed it that way. Because we made it. It is. Uh, Yeah, so talk a little bit about what the the, uh, uh, module was. What was the adventure that they were trying uh, to do in the, was it like a true 
uh, uh, you know, continuing on to the story? Was it just like, oh, no, this is just this group doing something fun afterwards? It was a kind of a, a non-canon offshoot. Uh, basically, I created a module that would really easily hit all the the, the pillars of D&D, you know, your role play, your skill checks slash exploration, and your combat. And I needed to do it in about a two-hour time window with seven players. So <laughs> it had Some to be of which were new. And who have big personalities. <laughs> yes, who, who yeah. you know, wanted to. And yeah, and, and I wanted to let those personalities shine through because the idea was that this was the first time that they met. They wanted to bond. So this wasn't the Sarah Sherb show. This was their show. So the, the plot had to be pretty simple. I uh, I divided the, the players up into two groups to begin with. I split the party, which you're not supposed to do, but I wanted <laughs> to give them uh, time to talk amongst themselves, to do a little bit of RP without everyone trying to RP at the same time. So basically each small group got a quest from a separate quest giver. They showed up at a dwarven mine and it turns out that the quests were compatible. They could work together to try to solve them. One group was trying to find a lost adventurer. The other group was trying to get a... Uh, I, I cadged a bit from uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver and had them uh, looking for a forge of spells that was deep in this derelict mine. And then, of course, twists and turns and problems and having to escape from a purple worm drilling machine that was chasing them. They all had to jump into <laughs> mining carts and go slaloming down a big slope. And of course the bridge was out. And how do you get across the chasm as the purple worm is chasing you? And then they had to fight some undead because of course they did, because they were about to film a movie that has lots of undead and red wizards and such. Oh Love my that. God. Okay. So if there's a sequel and there's a purple worm mining or drilling device we are gonna know we know we'll where know. that came from we'll know exactly where it came from uh, i kind of love sounds, that idea though of, of using a purple worm as a as a drilling machine like yeah you know, that's some armageddon crap right there <laughs> very cool all right so talk can you tell us a little bit about what happened in the game now there was a really cool little sizzle video that came out that was only just a few seconds long where we got to see some, just a lot of like high fives and excitement and smiles and dice rolling. Um, but can tell us like what really happened during that game? Any any really funny or heroic, memorable moments? The juicy stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to talk about the juice. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody was so engaged. I really appreciated it. They, this would have easily, this, this could have easily been a thing where it's just like, you know, the, the executive producer said we had to do this and the director said we had to do this. So here we are at this table. But no, they were so into it. They were so excited. They were pouring over their character sheets um, and, and trying to figure out how to solve problems. Uh, Justice, who plays Simon, was jumping up out of his seat to cast oh. his spells. Every time he wanted to cast a spell, he would, uh, you know, come up with some words off the top of his head and he'd put his hands together and shout and, and was wanted Aww. to cast his spells constantly. He had so much high energy. Um, unfortunately, at one point he did cast a spell. He cast Thunder Wave as he and uh, Chris Pine's Egan were standing on the edge of a cliff with some undead whites and he successfully sent one of the whites into the chasm. He also sent Edgin into the chasm. Oops. Oops. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we, Chris, Chris, you know, really good naturedly. He said very calmly, he said, I died like I lived. I died a hero. He put on his sunglasses, crossed his arms. He leaned back in his chair. And I said, Chris, Chris, look at your, look at your character sheet. And he said, wait, I have a loot that can cast fly. 
Oh my God. You sure do. (laughs) (laughs) And he immediately popped back up, took off his sunglasses, slammed the table and said, let's go. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. That's a good DM uh, 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 spotlighting there. You're like, you have the thing. I agree. I gave it to you so that you probably, I probably shouldn't kill you because (laughs) this is supposed to be a good time. (laughs) And you're the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. Gotta make sure you get that starring oh, moment. The loot that cast fly—that's brilliant. What was one thing about uh, about Zank and what he was doing that you could tell us? Reggae was an amazing player. He came in absolutely knowing the assignment, just the way that he did in the movie. Which is, when you play a paladin, you have to be so overly serious that it's hilarious. And so, uh, at one point, he failed a stealth check, which was uh, very likely to happen, being in full plate. Uh, he fell down. And while he was on the ground, I said, I said, Zank, why don't you give me a perception check since your ear is next to the to the ground? And he did so. And I said, you know, somewhere down in the mine, you, you hear a distant rumbling, almost like a freight train moving. And he popped back up and he said, friends, I perceive rumbling. <laughs> <laughs> knew the assignment, you know, just played that out into to a T. Um, and of course, later when they fought undead, he was able to to run in at the very last moment and and get a uh, a radiant smite on a white and absolutely blow it to pieces in the most perfectly heroic moment possible. Nice. Uh, we also had uh, uh, Sophia, who played Doric, spent a lot of time in her owlbear form, of course, because if you are a druid, why would you not spend time right. in your owlbear form? Um, and she had a big heroic moment in which she... Uh, uh, Holga got left behind. Michelle's character, Holga, got left behind. She fell out of the uh, the mining cart at one point. She was trying to push it. She rolled a, a one. She kind of tripped and oh. fell. And the purple uh, purple worm drilling machine was bearing down on her. And so uh, Doric leapt out of the out of the cart, scooped her up, and ended up jumping across the chasm with Holga. So we could have lost both of them at that moment, but instead Whoa. we had this big hero moment, which was fantastic. Oh. Wow. That had right. to be so, that had to feel so good watching that play out. It was. And, you know, Sophia probably had the worst, the coldest dice in uh, on the table. Uh, she just kept rolling low. And every time she rolled low, Chris, uh, who was sitting next to her, would confiscate her dice, throw it on the floor, and go and grab her another <laughs> die. And he would rub it and blow on it and kind of give her the Spartac inspiration. And he'd be like, okay, this is going to be better for you. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, and eventually it was. And it was finally in the in the most critical moment. Um, Chris really leaned into his his role as the party planner. He got very into the D and D physics of like if we combine this magic item with this spell and we pull this and we push that and Jonathan flies, then maybe we can make this happen. He and the directors, I think, got the most into that nitty gritty D and D physics brain, and it was wonderful to watch. Wow! And so you said you only had two hours to play. We had only two hours and we hit that two hour limit. And I said, guys, I'm so sorry. You know, I know we're right in the middle of this big combat with these undead and these oozes, but you know, I, th- th- uh, this is all we have. And they all said, no, no, we haven't finished the mission yet. We're in combat. Like we can't stop now. And we kept going for another hour and a half. Another hour and a half. What? Got to re-up on oatmeal and coffee, but. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I I'll give one uh, particular shout out to Chris uh, when he was playing his bard, Edgen. You know, I've played a lot of D&D. You guys have played a lot of D&D. 
People love playing bards. They're charismatic. They're fun. They like, you know, coming up with, with, you know, I said the cleverest repartee in the world. (laughs) My jaw was on the floor watching a Hollywood star, a real life bard play a bard. Chris came up, Chris came up with rhyming beat poetry. Every time I asked him to make a persuasion check, it was astonishing. What? That's great. Like on the fly? On the fly. Like mm. just just came up with with this beat poetry that explained what he was saying, how he was saying, it, and how he was convincing, uh, you know, whoever he was uh, speaking to, and uh, it, it was amazing. I, people were applauding afterwards. That's, That's great, yeah, right? Right awesome. to, to see a real life star do some bard uh, uh, persuasion stuff. That's great, and then I, mm-hmm. I assume you gave him an ad, advantage on all those because it was so persuasive. No, he even did some persuading on me to bend some rules here and there. So, <laughs> I guess it definitely worked. For it works. Sure. It works. Awesome. Yeah. See, this is why bards are the best. Mm, I'm starting to change my mind. <laughs> I still think warlocks are the best, but whatever. Well, if there's another movie, maybe a warlock just for you, Shelly. All right. We'll make it happen. Yes. Make it happen. Um, well, you're doing good stuff, Sarah. Even in your bio, you say you you warlock for Wizards of the Coast. So I'm sure you'll be getting some 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 warlock love in there soon. Mm-hmm, <laughs> One exactly. Um, and also, like real quick, you are also an author. I am. Uh, the I, I had the chance to write an upcoming uh, YA book that is coming up through Penguin Random House. Uh, it is part of the Young Adventurers series. So it's called Characters and Quests, a Young Adventurers Workbook for Creating a Hero and Telling Their Tale. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So this is a a workbook that is in tandem with the Young Adventurers series. It helps uh, young adults kind of imagine themselves as a character, um, come up with backstory and motivations and, you know, think about who they would be if their character turned evil and became a villain and, you know, what happens after the adventure is over. So it's kind of a creativity uh, activity workbook. And I was really honored to write it. Oh, I dig it. I Um, love it. What a wonderful way to get like that extension of like those young adventurers guys yeah. down. Like, hey, put it into practical use now. Uh, definitely going to pick some up for my D and D club. Absolutely, it drops in, I believe, August of this year. So check it out. All right, Yay. so cool. There, you're doing so much cool stuff. Maybe we'll have to have you back on when this book is out, and we can can talk do about do a deeper dive, yeah, creating sure. characters and quests. Right. Yes. All right, well, let's do our final, uh, uh, ooh, I only got a four. So oh, I'm dear. just going to say I believe everything you said as we're, the we're Pelor's so honest truth. <laughs> so you'll believe it when I say I now have a weekly game with the D&D cast that I'm DMing. Yes. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an extension of the Purple Worm adventure. I love it. <laughs> Definitely. That is, yes, 100% that's happening every Friday night. I would never lie to you, Greg. Never. <laughs> You're also not a uh, red wizard of Thay. Mm-mm, never. I don't know. I don't know where you got that information. I've from. never <laughs> seen her wear red ever. Never. Although Edgen, her hair is. Edgen red. told me. Mm. Excellent work. Love it, Sarah. Uh, continuing to warlock for Wizards of the Coast to make things happen. <laughs> uh, very exciting. Thanks for coming on and uh, sharing all that. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. See, I told you, it was all 
uh, the wonderful Dungeon Master stylings that brought that cast together. That is so cool. I cannot imagine. I don't She's just really good. She's good at all, uh, all parts of her job. But DMing for the cast, I would have been so nervous. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she was too. But it was, uh, you know, you couldn't see it in the way uh, she describes how they were able to play, right? Yeah. I mean... And then to write your own one shot too, which I kind of want to play. It sounds really fun. As well, like I think with a, uh, uh, obviously a movie that's based on a game, it makes sense to play the game with the cast beforehand. But yeah. I keep thinking about that line that uh, we heard in a lot of the interviews uh, last year leading up to the release of this movie um, about how it's such a way to embody your character and get those Im- improvisational kind of D&D juices flowing, I think every, I mean, especially speculative things like sci-fi and fantasy, but like a lot of casts should do this type of exercise. I know. It's, it, not just for the bonding, but like the the story parts, the learning about your character, discovering your backstory, the, what what secret motivations you might have. There's so many, so many cool things that playing D&D can do yeah. to bond you. Team and building. Actors- Actors do that all the time, but like having it happen in a controlled setting where they're they're testing out those things with each other, yeah, I think is uh, a, a real boon to people playing those 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 roles. And you know, D and D can can do a lot for your mental health, as we've learned and talked about. And a great way to bring D and D to more people is to maybe start a club at your school or library. Do you know anyone who might be able to give us advice on how to do that? In fact, I do. Let's wow. talk to Lucas Maxwell. Everyone, let's welcome Lucas Maxwell to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Lucas! Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you both so much. I'm really, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> we so are excited so too. excited. Um, you, go ahead, Shelly. Highly accomplished. Uh, school librarian, which in itself is a notable, worthy career. You do wonderful things, getting Thank books you. into the hands of students. But you're apparently so good at it. You didn't tell me this the first time we spoke, Lucas. I can't believe I'm just, I would have been so nervous talking to you had I known. <laughs> Fangirled. You were yeah. the uh, 2017 recipient of UK's as in the United Kingdom, everyone. Oh, that's School what UK means, not University of Connecticut with a K. <laughs> Are you a Kardashian? Yeah, um, secretly. Yeah, uh, the School Librarian of the Year. That, oh, yes, correct. Uh, and, Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> what? How do you get that <laughs> yeah. distinction? Uh, so I didn't know the award even existed, and a couple of students nominated me behind oh. my back. And uh, which was hilarious, and the afterward, I didn't, and I got so I just get an email out of the blue. You've been nominated, and please submit <laughs> uh, ten pages of evidence that you are, you know, <laughs> doing, like doing good things. And so I didn't know what it was, and I kind of left it for a bit. Then, you know, they asked me about it, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I just kind of forgot. And then I did do it, and then they came to the school uh, oh. and interviewed students and teachers oh, and cool. me. Yeah, and then they narrowed it down. It was. A big it ended up being a big deal. Then I got sent up to uh, Birmingham for like this ceremony where I was in the top three, whatever. And they have this there's this really cool illustrator here. I'm not sure uh, he works with Neil Gaiman a lot. His name is Chris Riddell. He does a lot of stuff. Uh, a really cool guy. Anyway, he did the 
he was like the presenter and it was this big deal and <gasps> he unveiled this huge golden ticket with my name on it at the end it was it was weird it was awesome it was wow. really, really oh my surreal. god uh, but I yeah thank it. you thank you so much <laughs> the students nominated you that's so special that's two really... student librarian assistants nominated me without my knowledge so i was <laughs> completely caught off guard it was wow. really sweet yeah. yeah yeah that's how you know it's real Yes. That's right. I love that they knew this award existed, but you didn't. But. <laughs> I was oblivious. <laughs> oblivious to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So well, was, was D, sorry, Greg. I'm like, I'm like a little bit excited to talk to Lucas. Do it, do it. Um, but was D&D part of that 10 pages of uh, research proving that you do good things? Not, actually not at that particular moment I was just about to get back into D&D so it was after I submitted the work did uh, the student came in and the one student doesn't really play much anymore that particular student but he um, he just said can we can we start this and I I had been out of the had been out of playing it for many years but as I as we had spoken about before I, I'd always read the books and things like that and read everything up but uh, just got back into it then now so it wasn't actually part of that but um, I, <laughs> I wish it was well, well, now you're going to win another award there for you go. your work <laughs> with integrating D and D into uh, all of it. Yeah, does like the UK school library champion like get to compete in like a universe universal pageant? I, I don't think so. I, I haven't looked into it. But yeah, it's a library's <laughs> pageant, right? Like you've yeah, got like, the sash. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, how sad. Be, your special uh, ability, your special talent would be dungeon mastering. Yes. <laughs> Organizing. Yeah. Look at this Categor- display of books oh, about. That's it. It would be. Oh, man. Pancake. Yeah. What's what the was. Dewey Decimal number for <laughs> biographies? Be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's the testing I that goes here into for it. This. I know. I love that. <laughs> but, yo, know, so in, in those, uh, well, that was 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. in the six years since then, you that's when you've gotten into Dungeons and Dragons again. That's when you've started yeah. playing. That's amazing. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Like, like, um, I was into it as a kid, uh, playing the older editions with my older brother and then getting back into it, the 5e rules. And then, of course, during as in the UK, as in the US, I'm sure we were in really strict lockdown. And just before that, I we were doing it in person with the students and mm-hmm. When the lockdown hit, I was like, oh, here's a really cool opportunity here because the students were, I mean, youth in general everywhere have struggled really, really badly with all, with everything there. And then D&D over virtually, was we were doing it every single day. Um, I ran uh, Storm King Thunder every single day with oh. them. And then over, every day over the Christmas holiday, except for Christmas Day, of course, but um, we did it every day. They just were desperate. And I, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, there's something here uh that's when the the gears started turning in my mind that i was starting to like write things down hearing about how important it was to this this kind of like small group at the beginning it was six uh and now it's like over 60 kids like these little splinter groups um they're playing yeah so yeah that's when it that's like 2018 starting it up and then really getting into 2019 onwards for sure (laughs) did you when you were doing storm king's thunder did you put any because uh, one of the things I loved about that story was how it was reminiscent to King Lear and yeah. that whole you know mythology around there too. Did you work that in as being from from England? I I wish I had the fourth I foresight. I was 
with that campaign, I had never run it before and I was running it. I should have done way more prep because um, when I got to chapter three, I was really overwhelmed. So I was spending most of my time mm. trying to do a lot of like uh, foreshadow. There's some really cool things where you can foreshadow the, uh, the, the coin from the, the floating casino and things like that and different things like the different dragons. I didn't. <laughs> that's a really good point because I, I might run it again with some adults actually in the future. Mm. And that's, I'm going to steal your idea, Greg. <laughs> I didn't do that, right. but that's a really that's a really smart idea. <laughs> Good job, Greg. You're on your See? way to becoming the you could be- West West Seattle Library Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you that's in, the, in the, the Miss Universe, the Miss uh, uh, Librarian Pageant that we go we'll into. See, yeah, yeah. Later yep, on. yep. So well, we'll uh, <laughs> yeah, I know you've become mortal enemies now, just in that I'm last sorry. one minute. Just terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, in six years, you have accomplished quite a bit and um, several of the things that brought us together in our initial conversation was, one of them was about how you speak about how the the mental health benefits for playing Dungeons and Dragons for for kids as well as adults, um, and especially for neurodiverse players, of which you are among. And Mm -hmm. I just think that is, it's, I just love that it was something that you've become so inspired by or have seen the benefits firsthand and through the work yeah. that you're doing in the library that it's um, it's inspired a lot of the work that you're doing now. So can you tell us a little about that? Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. So um, about almost at the same time, just uh, just before the pandemic, I was uh, I was diagnosed uh, as autistic and it kind of like as I heard from a lot of people uh, that I've talked to since, it was like everything kind of clicked into place. <laughs> mm. It made it made it makes your life kind of make sense. And um, with D and D, and what I see with, and like I said, when I started to like write things down, we have some students who are openly um, diagnosed and tell tell you and tell other people. And um, but also it just attracts um, uh, in our school, and I'm sure <laughs> thousands of others. Uh, it attracts students who. Maybe not always, but maybe sometimes struggle with social situations or just fitting in in general or feeling um, shy. And for me, as a D and D player and a dungeon master, it really uh, it has been a way to uh, make friends. So that's been a really tricky thing with me: um, maintaining friendships, maintaining friendship circles, and it just uh, what I call like overcoming the like social barbed wire that is that can happen and that we perceive. Um, and with D&D, because everybody's there on the same playing field, everybody's there for the same uh, reason, it kind of just strips all that away. There's no small talk to, to worry about. There's no really awkwardness. And then in a library setting where everybody's safe, feels safe and welcome, um, they they have absolutely no fear of um, being judged or looking silly or anything like that. There's, not, there's nothing like that. So um, when I started to write things down and speak to um, some mental health professionals about it, um, it kind of all just fit into place as to how important this game can be to some people. Um, for some of our students, it is the only social um, gathering that they engage in. And it can also, for some other students, maybe be the only bright spot in, in the week or we do it you know, two or three, two times a week with my group. So that's why I started to write everything down because I could see, like I knew how important it was to me, but then I could see how important it was to them as well. But, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> No, so you, remind me again how old the the students are at your school. The ages at our school. So in the UK, oh, there right. are 
there aren't really middle grades. So that they, uh, my school runs ages 11 to like really 19. Oh, okay. So they're all in one. They call it a high school or secondary school, but that's the age range. And, like middle and high uh, school? Yeah, it's like combined. So yeah. did you have any, like, was it a challenge for you with the administration, like being like, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons a lot every day. It's been, <laughs> it's been amazing. Uh, I'm extremely lucky. And it doesn't happen. And I know that U.S. librarians kind of face the same thing. But um, I didn't really understand. I've never I've been there. I'll, I'll be there 10 years now. This school this particular school in South London. Um, in September, it'll be my 10th year. And I've never worked in another school, really. I was a public librarian in, in Canada working with teens. But um, when I arrived there in 2013, um, in September, um, the head teacher, like the, the, the principal gentleman who was amazing, he's just retired. Um, he kind of put me up in front of the entire school, which is like 1800 kids, uh, which was, you know, I didn't know anybody. It was like really nerve wracking. Uh, you know, I'm in a suit. It's like, it's like 300 degrees in this auditorium. <laughs> it's like 1800 <laughs> kids and I'm sweating. And he just said, he just said, uh, he was just introducing like the start of the year, welcome back a lot of it's very like everyone's in uniforms which i wasn't used to even in like not a private school in the, in the uk they wear uniforms which at the time was like it was just was like culture shock or something and he just said this is lucas maxwell our new librarian and he is going to make every single one of you fall in love with reading and that oh. for some reason i've never forgot that because it kind of just clicked something just clicked like oh i kind of like lost my nerves a bit just i don't know just something happened there it's like i can probably do this because i've struggled with like employment my whole life as well which made sense that when i got my diagnosis and mm. um uh that i never forgot him uh, saying that so i guess long story short it it um because i've tried to like work hard at doing that kind of thing i've had this support um ever since day one and it didn't take it took a little while until i started to go to like conferences and get to speak to other librarians where i realized that that support didn't exist i'm very naive in many ways <laughs> And so I didn't really have to even say anything. I just started doing it. And now what's happening is that, and I've talked to you, uh, we spoke briefly about this, Shelly, before that I'm now running, like, I've got teenagers teaching teachers how to play. And I, I've been running these, like, how to play sessions for our teachers and also teachers from all over the UK who are just bombarding me with messages. Like, we want to start this, but how do we get started? And I try to do these, like, in a school setting, time is your enemy. And I just try to like, I do these little mini sessions on how to do it. And it's been really popular. I just run them on like uh, Roll20 or whatever. And yeah, it's been amazing. So I know that was an extremely long rambling answer to your question, but I never had to really ask permission. Uh, so I was very lucky. And it's so popular now that head teachers come in and watch. Uh, I've actually, tomorrow I've got, we're being, uh, we're being assessed for like this accredit, uh, just getting this kind of like, gold star accreditation thing and they're coming in to watch uh they want <laughs> it, it might just be chaos it's not me dming it's one of our teens uh it's Aww. gonna be amazing but it'll be, just, it'll be chaos. yeah it's gonna be absolutely amazing but uh, <laughs> it's gotten this like all oh, life of its own which has been absolutely amazing <laughs> yeah and the it's like roll. so when what's the gold star thing what is that all about um okay so this called the school challenge award and it basically is a way it's 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 like an accreditation to show that you are um, it's like basically a stamp of approval to show other schools, other parents, other 
administration around the UK and I guess the world that your school is using like extracurricular activities outside of the classroom to engage your students, no matter, you know, if they're like the top brilliant students or students who might struggle and they want to use like come to the library to see an example of how we're doing that. So I was like, well, D&D is perfect because basically we're running a, you know, you get everybody at D&D. You get all kinds of emotions and backgrounds and we're a very diverse school. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, come and watch it. It's going to be if they won't, they probably don't have a clue what D&D is, but it's going to be hilarious. Mm. And it's just going to be, I'm going to explain it to them. And it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it is. And it's going to be great for them to see these kids commanding a table of other kids, because I think it's, that's yeah. a, it's an important skill. Like, I don't yeah. know that the kids don't realize it when it's happening, but certainly like an, an adult with that awareness is going to be like, Oh my God, there's a table full of kids listening to this <laughs> other kid. Like that that alone is kind of amazing. And like how much they have to manage and like, and the creativity behind it. It's just, it's that's going to be, that's going to be really running, cool. It will be. And we've been running these Zoom sessions recently with, so we've got 11 year olds with their librarian from, uh, one was, you know, west of, uh, west, way west of us. Anyway, Zooming with us at lunchtime. Uh, you got like 20 11 year olds zoom on the on the big screen watching our 16 year old stand there like this is what initiative means like just showing them <laughs> step by step Love like it. how do you do they wanted to know combat because they're 11 years old they want to fight stuff right. they want to kill stuff yeah and she literally spent two lunch of her lunch hours with like a couple of the people from her D group simply like really slowly and carefully walking them through like um, you know, role perception. Well, what does that mean? This is what it means. It improves your wisdom, but you have bonuses and this is what you roll. And just like, it, and they, I mean, the, the, they were just um, so uh, grateful to her. And I, did, I literally did nothing. I just set up the equipment and just sat and watched it. <laughs> and it was, it was absolutely brilliant. So we we're again, getting requests. Can we do more of these events from other schools and stuff? So no, I'm setting it up. It's just, and they love doing it. So it's been really great. Oh <laughs> these gosh. students are amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. Yeah, it's been so much fun. That sounds and, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the other things that you did within the last six years of coming back into D and D is you wrote a book and yeah. called "Let's Roll." <laughs> I'm holding it up right now, so uh, nobody listening can see it, but I it's, hear the sound of the cover. Um, <laughs> Let's roll a, a guide to setting up tabletop role playing games in your school or public library, which is. A very useful, wonderful guide because as well-intentioned as some librarians, all librarians are, they probably don't always know how to play Dungeons and Dragons. And I, that's that's the number one barrier that I've heard from people. Like, we get it. We know it's good. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to play. Right. And not so, just not just the game, but just like, how do you set it up in this context, right? Yeah, exactly. How do you exactly. set it up in a library kind of... Uh, a way of playing which can be a little bit different than just I'm just going to play in my my home table right yeah yeah and that's why I mean and like I was saying that's why um, I was taking all these notes seeing whether students engaged and getting tons of messages on social media from other librarians saying how do how do I do this and I was kind of like meeting with someone uh, I did like a, a zoom thing with like 
why you should set up D&D in your library. I just said, I'll do it. And I had like 200 people sign up. Wow. And it was, for me, it was like, I couldn't believe it. So they are all like, <laughs> and I, I didn't expect that anyway. So I, I said, I should, there's something here. I could write something down and get it to send it off. And that's what I did. And like you were saying, Greg, like you just have to, you have to run it a little differently in a school because uh, time is against you. And um, it really just things that the importance of, for me, the importance of, um, uh, how important session zero is with, with everybody, but with the students, especially where you're just meeting beforehand to set up expectations and what you need to play, which is very, very little in reality, but um, what works and what doesn't, what I've learned, just things that I've learned. And then um, also the mental health benefits, as, as Shelley was mentioning, and especially for uh, neurodiverse players and dungeon masters. And maybe, maybe if you're a, um, a neurodiverse player or DM, like how you can, what, what has, what I've, learned works for me which won't work for everybody but um mm -hmm. just little little tips and hints and like really I, my goal was just to make it as practical as possible so that's essentially what i did and i interviewed some like um a mental health professional in um she's on the east coast i want to say north carolina but i'll probably get it wrong but her name's katie lear she was amazing we we sat down over zoom and she really helped me because she runs these D, D therapy groups for teens and um was huge huge um benefit to the book just to show really clear for me this the what she has seen as well the the, the benefits and yeah so and then facet and ela uh, picked it up and i was really really excited so yeah thank you for for talking about it yeah i think it's going to be a wonderful addition for any uh librarian or again anybody who's trying to set it up in a more structured way um, you know, myself and Shelly yeah. included, right? Yeah. We, we don't want to start doing more of this stuff in our in our kids' schools. Mm -hmm. Uh so that's really awesome. And I think the angle around your, you know, diagnosis, you're talking about, you know, being neurodiverse and everything like that. Like how did how did Dungeons and Dragons help uh that diagnosis or 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 you know, once you had that diagnosis, how did it help kind of unlock some of the some of the superpowers that you might have in, in, <laughs> in, in running a game uh, in, in such a way, because I think I think there's a lot of correlation there between dungeon masters and uh, people who have uh, neurodiversity. I, I agree. Um, for, I mean, and if for me, it is this odd sense of like um, it's almost like a calming thing for me. Um, just uh, and I'm sure, and this this is not unique to someone who's neurodiverse, but my brain is is going all the time and feels like sometimes it's scattered into a million pieces. And again, that's not unique to neurodiverse <laughs> people, but getting into like a D&D &D campaign uh, really helps me, A, just focus. Um, it's a huge anxiety reducer for me. And speaking to students who I know struggle, um, they have said to, I know one of them recently, um, because they're getting older now, they have spoken to like a career advisor and the career advisor came in the library after I never met this man before in my life. He just came to the school. He comes to the school. He doesn't go in the library. Um, he just said, he, he said, are you Mr. Maxwell librarian? I said, yes. And he said, I'm so-and-so. I just spoke to the student and all we were trying to talk about her, their career. And all she talked about was Dungeons and Dragons and that <laughs> to speak to you. And I was like, <laughs> because it, for her, it was, that is the thing that and she has told me this before. Like it just keeps all the 
all the bad stuff out of her head. That's her oh. quote, her words, uh, which was just uh, it's heartbreaking but also uplifting at the same time. Um, so yeah. it just all, it makes me emotional almost thinking about it. But anyway, it's uh, it. So for me, it's like this calming effect. But also is like a great way to um, for me to be creative because I'm tr always trying to create and write and do things. And because um, I play with these amazing adults who are all um, authors as well, uh, well-established authors here in the UK. And I'm trying desperately uh, to like make, uh, foreshadow, link things together. And it takes a ton of writing and creativity on your own. Even with these amazing campaign books, um, I like to do a lot of writing on my own. So it's been a a creativity booster and anxiety reducer. I've made like really good friends through through D and D, and I where I wouldn't have normally. Where being and being a librarian can also be quite isolating um, as well as a career. So you have that, but um, the game um, really has connected me to this whole world that, in my experience, has been absolutely amazing and welcoming. And I'm trying to like relay that to the students, and it's been this unbelievable kind of steamrolling thing in the school where, um, like I said, we, we did a D and D convention, uh, on, a, I made my own, just created it. It's not, it wasn't like <laughs> massive, but I had no idea again, who's going to show up if anybody was on a Saturday. Uh, so they didn't have, no one had to come in. I had like a free D 20 for everybody who showed up. I had snacks and music and stuff. Oh. And we just had, um, uh, we had five teachers take their Saturday, come in we had over 50 kids and we had all these groups playing the same one shot at the same time like scattered throughout the library and i could barely fit them in um and it, it was absolutely they just looking around and seeing it like the laughter everybody doing the same thing and we had prizes we had a big draw at the end uh for prizes and then i learned after the fact that one of our students who is 17 and who um really really struggled uh in the library they were almost um would sit and just be almost like non-verbal a teacher came up to me and said you know that they've been meeting with me for the past month every lunch hour to teach training me to be a dungeon master and i said i had no idea <laughs> what? i didn't even hear this person speak yeah like they didn't even they play they would sit and watch us play never wanted to play but on their own time had been meeting with one of their own teachers and been training them um, and now they are their own DM for, so they're, they're 17 years old. They just finished a session in the library, um, today about four hours ago <laughs> and they DM for eight, uh, 11 year olds. And to see someone who two years ago, not even two years ago was really sitting in the library and only communicating via like a whiteboard and marker, um, and really wow. struggling and will tell you openly now that D&D &D has helped them immensely is now doing, you know, goblin voices and just hearing this, these peals of laughter coming over from the corner and coming to me with the book saying, how do I, you know, just looking for some advice and if I can give it to them. And yeah, this is amazing. And they're writing like a 6,000 word dissertation oh. as part of their um, as part of like a extra kind of credit thing uh, on like why D D has helped them, so I'm kind of like just, they're sending me chunks of it, and I'm like just helping them with whatever citations and stuff like that. But uh, it's just uh, for me, it's been amazing. Yeah, and the teachers have been so interested. I've 
just rolled up a, a, a level one druid with one of our math teachers who had just wants to know like what is this what is because he goes my kids won't my my students won't stop talking about it what is it so uh i just showed him the books and he's like oh can i make a character so he spent like a whole <laughs> <laughs> we spent with the students you know rolling up a druid for him and now we're gonna he's gonna come play the next time it's just stuff like that it's just really nice little little pockets of uh of joy that's yeah. it's created because <laughs> not only did that student who was nonverbal like uh I, I love that story because they <laughs> had this challenge and not only are they like okay i'm able to be uh you know competent in in explaining things verbally now but the way you were describing it it was it was beyond competent it was successful it was like were people laughing they were having fun they were uh engaging and it wasn't just like okay that person is 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 having you know a a quote unquote uh ordinary conversation no they're having extraordinary conversations beyond you know the limits, and that's the power of storytelling and and, and Dungeons and Dragons. It's so what a great, you know, illustrative yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been amazing to see it. I'm really so, proud of them. Yeah, I'm very, I like that's such an incredible story. I was, I'm just still really interested in the student's transformation. But was the student nonverbal, like in all? facets of their no. a world or was it just being around other students that made them was there um, like an anxiety a social anxiety or was it i believe so okay. I, I so my experience with the with the student was that they seemed extremely upset in the library and so um i was just alerting everybody to that and um the one of the D students says can they you know do they want? Do you, do you think they would want to join? And I said, uh, we, absolutely. We can see if they want to. They didn't want to, but they wanted to watch, um, mm-hmm. and that was absolutely fine. So, come over and then, then slowly um, showing me the board, asking for like, can I see the books and things like that. So I was just slowly. It was a really slow, gradual. Um, but I don't know what the situation was elsewhere. But um, I know that this amazing group so these guys these the kids that i'm dming for are younger and i know that they have helped this person um uh, like it's hard to put into like a, a pie graph but you could just, i know that this setting and this game has been um something that this person has latched onto um 150 and it has been this avenue of safety warmth in the library and um yeah, so uh, there were, yeah, so I would say it's been a really a huge success story for the game to show what, what this potential is with um, kind of like just social environments and reducing anxiety and helping people come out of their shell and feel feel welcome. Amazing. Basically. And <laughs> I also love that one of the kids in the D&D club in, wanted to invite the student oh, in. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. These kids are very unique. Uh, these particular group, uh, and I've heard that said by other teachers, and uh, they're going to be listening to this. I know it because they. <laughs> um, I will post this on social media, and I know they follow the library. Uh, so, hello, everybody. Uh, you hello, are good job, kids. Students. You're <laughs> well doing done. great. You're doing great. <laughs> you all get inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> the inspiration points. Uh, yeah. Uh, but they are. They make me laugh. So, right, so that's what I, I mean. Every we had a session today with them, and after every session, I write like 
notes and I send it to them and um, I just try to make them laugh in the notes. So we have like a little email chain and I just like, we're on chapter. I write, I call them chapters. I don't know why, but I look at chapter. We've played 50 sessions since September hmm. wow. um, <laughs> and they're, they're going through. It's just uh, hilarious. And I, it, they just make me laugh so much. It's um, and that's, that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, I've, and I've said this to other people, it's, it's really just like a, like a positive, uh, I don't know, memory generator, because a lot of these kids, not a lot of them, but some might um, not have the great, uh, greatest experience at school. Um, and I know I didn't. I hated high school. And I won't go like deep into that or anything, but it's just like I didn't enjoy it. I didn't have a D&D group or anything like that. But um, yeah, I just if at the end of the day they can look back and go, yeah, maybe I didn't really enjoy high school at all. And but I know that twice a week uh, in the library, you know, mm-hmm. somebody cared and somebody, and I had a, like, I laughed my head off for an hour because that's what we're doing. Uh, so that's really what it is for me just seeing that and going, okay, you know, there's at least they have, at least we have that if, yeah. if they don't, I mean, some of them enjoy school immensely, I'm sure, but um, I just, the nature of high school, some kids are not going yes. to enjoy <laughs> Yeah, you know, big part of that um, is the is the friendships, and it's yeah. it can be hard to make friends, or if you you can feel very alienated if you don't have that friend group. But it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, those kids that are in these groups together, it, that I mean, that's how it always felt for me. You just kind of bond with that group, and even outside of the game, those are your people. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing like kids that One. were having a hard time making friends, making friends? 100%. So yeah. what some what I'm seeing is um this group they're in so they're what the UK calls year 11 so they're like um I think they're about 16 they're on the 15 or 16. Um they were kind of scattered about a little bit. Some of them were friends, but since D&D they are like hack. They just come in oh. together, they sit at the same. And what's amazing is that so the, the 17-year-old who's the DM for the 11-year-olds uh the other day one of them I heard overheard one of the 11 year olds say to the 17 year old, you know, I saw you in the hallway the other day, but I didn't want to say hi because I didn't want to embarrass you. Oh. Um, Cause of an 11 year old say, and she just said, you don't have to ever feel embarrassed to say hello. It was like, so Aww. it was so nice. So, and as you may remember, I don't know, maybe not, but for me as an 11 year old, cause we, I was in the same building as older kids. It was in a very small school in, in Canada. And to to go near the area that a seventeen year old would be would be de- a death. Like you would be, you would be, you know, scary. You yeah. Near. yeah, yeah, <laughs> And for them to be to see in the library at break and lunch to see eleven year olds hanging out with seventeen year olds, you know, pouring over these books and talking about you know <laughs> strategies and treasure and stuff is is a it's unique uh, in a school setting. It's unique anywhere, but it's also really. Um, a testament to those students um, to how this game has connected them uh, really. And some, some students that I've had play are students that if you, if you were to like go there right now, if you were to like t- stop them in the hallway right now and say, what do you think about reading for fun? They might say some of them be like, I don't read at all. I don't like reading, but I guarantee you before school, <laughs> break lunch and after school they are pouring over these books it's like yeah. a gorilla oh, style yeah. reading for pleasure uh <laughs> and they are creating backstories they'll create one student's um 
Uh, he's creating, uh, he just creates characters for fun. They always do that. And um, but there's another student today. He showed me an amazing owl and bird that he, uh, no, an owl and rogue that he made or that he drew. I said, oh, cool. Uh, you know, who'd you draw that for? Is that your character? He goes, no. He goes, no, I'm, uh, I'm doing these on commission now. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 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 got a side hustle. Doing yeah, uh, yeah. commission artwork. These other players oh, are commissioning him. I think so they're paying cool. him like they're they're paying him like chocolate bars or something. I don't know. What yeah, right. Paying, but, <laughs> I love uh, this. It's amazing. I'll, yeah. So it's crazy. Give you the cookies out of my lunch if you <laughs> yeah. uh, if you do this artwork. There is no greater uh, currency for a kid. Come on. Yeah. And it's just amazing what they're doing. They're creating this stuff, and it's just created this whole world. This has been absolutely great to see. I love it. I dig that so much because, especially the the older kids uh, relating to younger kids. I mean, you know, eleven yeah. uh, year olds uh, interacting with seventeen year olds is a remarkable thing for yes. sure. Like that is just not exist even in you know the integrated schools that you're talking about in the UK, having uh, uh, everybody there. Um, and you know, I, I'm looking back at my own history, and I was it was theater that did that for me, where I was able to be. You know, a younger kid oh, yeah. with older kids and getting the boost of confidence of, you know, being thought of as a peer uh, in that situation. And, you know, it, I, I loved Dungeons and Dragons at that time. I wish right. I'd found folks um, who had that same passion. Uh, and it's amazing that you're able to, you know, foster those types of relationships in a way that doesn't feel forced or put upon, right? Because that's the other thing is like yeah. those things can very much be like, oh, no, you you 17-year-olds, you have to go hang out with these 11-year-olds. Uh, yeah. But they're choosing to and they're doing it because they have the shared love of, of yeah. fantasy and of this storytelling, right? And so it's, it's, it, it's just so remarkable that we were able to create this environment for them. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. It's I, yeah, that may just, that's exactly right. That's a really good point. Cause I think that's another thing why I like it so much is because it's all organic. It's all kind of come out on its own with me really just like, here you go. And then me being the DM. But now, like I said, all these splinter groups are DMing. Uh, it is <laughs> completely organic kind of creation. That's a good, very good point. <laughs> yeah. Just leave the tools <laughs> out there and see yeah. who, who blocks them. Yeah. So we, we've, We've talked a lot about the benefits of playing D and D with the uh, with neurodivergent players, mm -hmm. and why it's good for it's good for everyone. But how do you have tips for either DMs or players who have neurodivergent players at the table? Is there? Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, very good question. Um, I would say if you have neurodivergent. Um, players at the table there are like really practical small things uh you can do um and these are things that i've spoken to about the other players themselves when i've asked them you know what can i do to make things easier and some of this stuff some dms would do anyway but if you don't um it might be helpful and one thing is to um have a dedicated seating plan uh just because some mm. some not all but some students um they and our students all do no matter if they're neurodiverse or not they want to sit in specific seats okay. and our neurodiverse players some of them have almost like buddies so we have i DMing i'm DMing for quite a large group at the moment um they kind of but it's grown from six to about eight to almost 10 events sometimes so that's a big group that's 
I wouldn't recommend that for a new dungeon master or I, I'm not like some expert dungeon master, but I've been doing it enough that I can handle it with them because I know them so well. Um, but have a seating plan. And if they can, you know, buddy up with someone, um, that is even better because what I'm seeing with our group is that um, some of our neurodiverse players are, instead of, I don't know, instead of like stopping the game and asking me a question, I can see them speaking to the to their buddy like quietly whispering about what does this mean or that mean and it'd be absolutely fine if they stopped me but i i kind of see what they're doing they just want to do it kind of on the down low um and that's absolutely cool and fine um so i would recommend that and i would also recommend using visuals as much as possible um which helps me greatly so um i have that <laughs> we talked uh, before we went on about uh, that horribly crude map that I drew in the book. <laughs> I um, love the map. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> Having a visual like that that displays the initiative order. I mean, some DMs display it anyway, but some, some don't, which is fine. But for a neurodiverse player, having that constant reminder visual, especially for me as well, is super helpful. Yeah. Um, when an, it, when you talk about what you need to buy to play, you don't, as I said, as you know, we don't you don't need a ton of stuff, but to have a visual, I have the... Um, I don't forget what they're called, but they're the interlocking uh, dry erase uh, map battle maps, and yeah. to have that, uh, and to have some kind of icon or miniature. And again, if you're a librarian listening, you don't. It's those are expensive, as, as some know, but um, uh, you can have, you can use anything. Like we sometimes just use dice to represent the creatures. To have that is really really helpful. And another thing that's been really helpful, and I've that they've told me is helpful again to all of our students, but uh, especially our neurodiverse is are the notes that I've spoken about um, before um, to give, essentially all I'm doing is giving a recap, almost bullet. You can do it like bullet point form, but this is what happened this session only yeah. because there may be memory issues. There may be, maybe you say something, but they're focused on something else and just completely forgetting. And that's my experience um i'm not usually a player i'm kind of like a forever dm with like adults and stuff as well which is fine but when i even when i play with adults i'm taking notes all the time myself uh just so i can remember what happened and i send it to them and also uh on top of that i send okay here's your loot and here is who has this piece of loot because they um this these our players sometimes forget like oh what do i have again even if they may forget to write it on their character sheet. And that is another thing that I just reminded myself of. Every single student, whether neurodiverse or not, they will destroy their character sheets. So um, <laughs> today, our cleric said, sir, can I level up so I can do a new character sheet? It literally looked like just shy. He just wanted to level Falling up. Falling so apart. It's just, I, what have you done to it? But uh, uh, it's hilarious. But um, so I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not saying laminate them, but um, <laughs> just have them have new character sheets at the ready. Um, and be, what I would say is uh, try to, so if you are, I don't know, if you're handing out a, an item to them, um, have it pre-printed off give it to them actually like you're giving them an actual item especially if it's a magical item or something like that with it it once they learn its properties um i will also um give them printed out again really bullet point stuff of what an npc has told them they love that especially mm -hmm. if it's in like journal or letter form and again this isn't 
being this isn't like breaking news, but like sometimes in a setting, um, in a library setting, you, you don't have the time to do it. But if you it's easy for me because I love it. So I'll do this on my own time, like write stuff up, print stuff out. Um, but if you have a few minutes to print those things out and have handouts ready, they will it will make them less anxious about because I think some of our students are anxious about what did I forget? And if they miss a session, it's not that big a deal at all because I've written the notes. I've given them an update, um, emailing it to them every time. Like we had a couple who had to miss today. just They had no choice, and that's absolutely fine. They're going to get the update. Um, and I've heard that they've got their own. Again, if you're listening to this, I know you're plotting against me, students. Um, they've got their <laughs> own, like... Uh, like, I don't know if it's a WhatsApp channel or whatever, but they're just like, like, oh, here's the latest <laughs> update. You know, how we, they're just trying to, they're trying to get at me. I know, I know they're trying to, to somehow, uh, you know, thwart me, uh, but <laughs> it's stuff like that. It's just giving them the, uh, it kind of gives them like this, that extra that you maybe wouldn't do if you're playing with a bunch of adults in person or whatever. But, yeah. you know, for our students, uh, I feel it has been a huge, uh, huge benefit for them. So I think that's what I would say. <laughs> that makes sense, right? And yeah. I think, I mean, yeah. what you're saying is great for all groups, honestly. I think that shared memory idea that you mentioned earlier yeah. is um, one of the joys of this game in that, you know, these, however many people at the table, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, they're all having these shared memories, but they're different. They're very different over the course of the session even and yeah. so just having those bullet points that you're saying of like okay no these are the things that occurred we all can agree yeah. that these were all the things that happened <laughs> yeah. 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 Is, yes. is is really really important um because of those side conversations that can happen or you know uh as as a player and especially probably with uh with younger people uh as well as those that are neurodiverse um there can be mind wandering there can be you know people not necessarily uh, uh, having the exact same memory that everyone else had. And so having that yeah. kind of, those guardrails um, is, is super helpful. Yeah. And I think one of the, that's absolutely true. And I think one of the number one things I say to new librarians and teachers who have been asking me about it, um, who I want to be a DM or getting other students involved. And again, feedback from our neurodiverse players, they, they thought like my job was to kill them and thwart them. And, right, help. and that's, right. that's the number one thing is that you are, the, as a dungeon master, you are a player. You are essentially, you're part of their team in that regard. In my eyes, I view it because you are putting forward this scenario, but you are not there. I am not here to, to mess with trick them. you or to mess with you, gaslight you or whatever. I mean, it, it, you're giving them this world, but it's like you are not there to 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 to, to cackle as their characters <laughs> drown in lava or something like that. You're not <laughs> doing that. You are there. You should be cheering them on. And once... She said, once I figured that out, uh, she's because she's so I have a neurodiverse player who's in the middle of writing their own, like a guide for neurodiverse students who want to play D&D. So she's oh, sending cool. me like wow. drafts of it. It's really cool. Sending me like little drafts here and there. That was the one thing she sent me uh, recently was that she was intimidated by not by me personally or anything like that, but, I, but by the game that I was going to. She was afraid to do stuff because uh, she thought that. I as a DM would react and like have her character killed. And once she realized, she said, once she realized that I was actually on her side, it changed everything. So I think that to get that across from day one uh, is really important. Yeah, yeah people it's have that, that anxiety. Even yeah. now, when I explain to people what D and D is, that is the thing that is latched into because because games 
for many people means like chess or something that yeah. is a competitive, yeah. you know, back and forth that you're trying to one up someone. And so when you say I'm gaming or I'm a gamer, that's the first thing they think of is that there's this adversarial relationship. And yep. it's, 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 yeah. it takes a moment, as you said, for it to click. To be yeah. like, oh no, yeah. we're all, you know, the Dungeon Master is basically the the audience for what the players are doing, as well as the the game master, right? They and I love that you're what you're saying about cheering them on, because you're right. That is exactly what a good dungeon master does is wanting their 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 players to succeed. Yeah. Despite all of the all the obstacles and 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 things that you put in front of them uh in a in yeah. a way that uh, uh you know can be challenging and fun. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, I saw that with with my club that yeah. when I said, first of all, I'm like, we're, we are a team where we collaborate together. They were like, oh, collaboration. What's that word? But <laughs> we also, we had, we had one kid that did like strive to be a dungeon master. Like he emerged very quickly as like, I feel like I belong behind the screen. Step aside. But he <laughs> was also very adversarial. He didn't see either myself or Bart treat the players in an adversarial role. But I think it's almost like a like a confidence thing. Like as yeah. like he almost like had to like boost his own confidence. He's very yeah. smart and he was very adept. At, but I think he like overcome. I don't know. Maybe he was feeling insecure being uh, in that role in front of his peers that he just took a, a harder line. But he was very yeah. much like, I give you magic items and then I tell you they're actually invisible and you don't actually have them. It was a mirage or something. And the the other players <laughs> the other players were like, we don't like this. We don't want to play with you as a dungeon master. You're not fun. So we, we actually came up with this plan because we don't want to like, thwart the excitement but so we were very careful we were like you're doing so well but maybe you know like try to work more with the, the players you're not against them so we gave him magic items mm-hmm. and we said like you have to give these out before the end of the session and like kind of forced him to wow. do something nice for those players <laughs> and and they can't be a mirage like they actually have to be <laughs> they're actual real magic items you can't take them you can't rob them from them and you cannot pretend that they're a mirage and oh my gosh they started to turn a little bit what yeah, a we great got, move though as a young DM to be like here's this magic item just kidding that's it doesn't like, we wanted to reward the creativity too like that's kind of a cool story like they exactly. find this pile of treasure they fill their pockets Oh. And then it's like, boop, it's boop. a mirage. There's <laughs> a, it's a necklace of fireballs in Tube of Annihilation <laughs> that when you put it on, it, every single one of them explodes. And that just reminds oh. me of that, like just laughing. Because I think yeah. that's what it does. It's some cursed necklace that just, it, it's like... It's like four fireball spells going off at once. Yeah, something. he it's found horrible. he would he but would find that workaround for sure. It's yeah. very clever. One thing, one thing we've done uh, very quickly is that if uh, I, I haven't done it recently because it hasn't been an issue but with new new guy with new players younger players when they do something you know nice when their character does something nice for an npc or another character they get like an inspiration point so oh, um, and then once mm. they figure that and they i mean they can then all of a sudden try to like gain but you don't hand them out <laughs> a million of them but uh it, it does kind of like set the tone and then the, the number one thing again i always tell the librarians is that establish right away that this is not a um as you mentioned, uh, this is not a PvP game. It's not player versus player. You are working together because they will. The younger ones sometimes, when they first start, will want to pile on others, and it will. I guarantee oh, that yeah. it, that just creates hurt feelings, as you know. Uh, so yeah. once they 
are clear on that, then it does help. But with the DMs, I know, I think, uh, yeah, with ours, I mean, I'm really lucky, but there is like, uh, there's a maturity. Once they start to get a little bit more confident, they will stop trying to like kill the other, the other players. Um, but uh, I know it's, it's a hard one to balance. Absolutely. But you're doing yeah. the best work uh, uh, in, in bringing it to everybody at your school. Like it just seems like, you <laughs> I know, know you the mentioned earlier, getting in it, on it. It started yeah, with six right. students, and now you're up to sixty, and then yeah. you know, getting all the all the administrators and teachers involved. Like you're doing such amazing work, and I love this book. The idea of having a practical guide for how folks uh, to do this is wonderful. Let's roll. Check it out wherever you can. Um, oh yeah, and so maybe yeah, Matt uh, Lucas, where where can people find out how to how to how to buy this said book? Thanks, uh, thanks so much. Uh, it's. You can purchase it through uh, the American Library Association. So um, I think the URL is a bit long, but if you just do ALA editions, let's roll. It'll come right up uh, from your uh, computer and uh, it's there. And then in the UK, it's sold through a, um, a publisher called Facet, F-A-C-E-T. Uh, and they've been amazing. So is ALA. So uh, it's just through there. And uh, really any, any uh, you know, any major bookshop as well you can order from. So um yeah thank you so much for that uh, for that let me plug that <laughs> oh it's a great <laughs> really book it. such a good such a good resource for sure <laughs> and how can uh, folks find out about you personally and 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 the work that you're doing um i mean twitter is where i'm on most and that's just my name really uh at uh lucas uh, j maxwell and uh i do uh i'll do a shameless uh <laughs> A shameless plug. Uh, we do a, a D, I do a DD podcast with some amazing authors. Um, it's called "You Should Have Been a Meat Shield," and that is a <laughs> slogan that uh, that's a slogan that one of our students yelled, stood up, and screamed at another student uh, oh, in a session once. It was well, hilarious. Hopefully not when the gold star people are coming to check <laughs> out. They, they stood up. They asked him to come and help, but they didn't come and help. And they just stood up and yelled that. And I laughed so hard. It was, uh, but uh, I created a podcast. And the, the authors are absolutely amazing. Um, it's uh, Grania O'Brien, who wrote a great uh, picture book called uh, Lyric Fairy Tale. Ali Fawkes, who writes this amazing, uh, if anybody loves D&D, could have been the U.S. as well. It's called the Rules for Vampires series. Absolutely great for ages. Yes. Up. <laughs> and Alex Dunn, who's an amazing Irish writer living in Toronto, who wrote this amazing book called The Book of Secrets, which is about all about the Feywild, Irish mythology, <gasps> creatures from the Feywild coming to the real world, kidnapping people, and then the kids have to go into the Feywild to rescue them. Uh, it's amazing. All three are amazing people, and uh, they bring a lot of uh, joy to my life every week. So, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I just wanted to give them a plug as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank you for letting me letting me do that. <laughs> That's Absolutely. so great. Yeah, authors are uh, good storytellers. I'm told they're amazing <laughs> and <laughs> very fun to play D and D with. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lucas, for all this work. I love it. Uh, you know, we support everything. I think this was right in Shelly's wheelhouse. Uh, you know here it. For everything you were saying. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think you're going to get the 2023 uh, UK Literacy and oh. School Library uh, Librarian of the Year. Yes. There we go. I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted. 
if I <laughs> if I could give you an award, then Thank it would you, be Shelley. like the Shelley Mazenoble Librarian Appreciation Award well, <laughs> to Lu- Lucas J. That's... Maxwell. I already right, nominated right. you. I you nominated the... you in secret. <laughs> You, right. you see, you didn't even know it was an award. You really need to <laughs> stay up to date on these industry <laughs> awards, Lucas. I'm, I'm so out of touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. This was Thank great. You. Best librarian in the world award. That was a level 20 segue, Shelley. Well done. I'm, I'm, I am. Taking some inspiration from you. I'm not quite there yet. Not even close. But I, it's kind of a fun challenge. I'm giving you bardic inspiration to continue Thank to do such you. things. Uh, yeah. What a wonderful conversation with Lucas Maxwell. I feel like he is spreading so much just goodwill and happiness and love of reading and learning without, again actually being like you need to read buddy like Mm -hmm. they want to read they want to they i mean i i love that line that they said there i they may not uh, say that they're readers but they are reading and they are absorbing this information and playing it in the game and it's just so wonderful to see isn't it weird that when you're doing something for fun you don't think of it as like an assignment or schoolwork like it's not the assigned reading it's just reading so obviously like you're not a a reader if you're not enjoying the stuff that you're being assigned to read in school or like the same with math like I'm terrible at math but yet you have a fully optimized character over here you can (laughs) roll that character up in a matter of seconds and in the writing too like oh no no I hate writing oh what is this notebook that is filled with this entire fantasy world that you just invented yeah that's that's writing. Kids. That email, that text message, that's still writing. Oh, it's oh true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, it's a form of written communication. Some, yeah, totally. some of my best writing has been done through emojis on text. <laughs> and that is fire. Straight I fire. I have to do the same thing when I'm working out, which is why I like, oh, that's why I play basketball. Or, or it has to be like some type of a, exactly. a game to convince yeah. my brain that I really want to do it. Yeah, you could say like, oh, I, I don't like to work out. But like you ride your bike everywhere and you walk. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, I have to get from here to there. So I'm riding a bike. Or, yeah, yeah I like to take walks. I walk my dog. Well, it's still exercising people. You're doing it. You're doing, you're doing it. So working out. And that's what uh, D&D in, in libraries and schools is all about, is doing the workout. Yeah. What a Sweet. great guy. Um, if you haven't checked out D&D... Honor Among Thieves. It is available on digital right now. You have no excuse not to pick it up and check out uh, the amazing uh, special features involved in the DVD as well as the digital <laughs> stuff. I know. I was trying to think of the long version of DVD. I'm like, what is it? What is digital it? video disc? Is that what DVD stands for? I don't even know. <laughs> um, it's also out on Laserdisc if you want to go check. And it's not really. But. Is it? <laughs> it's a, it's on Betamax. <laughs> That'd be the true retro thing, having it come out on a, a reel-to-reel. I saw this funny, I'm sorry, it's total sided, but I saw this funny video of this like Gen X mom talking to her, her um, child and asking questions about like the stuff from the 80s and 90s yeah. that, that this kid had no idea. She was like, what's a burnt CD. He's like, I don't know, like a CD that's on fire? 
<laughs> they What's went platinum, but it's on fire. Machine, a yeah. fax machine. You're like a machine. A, is that something to do with fax? Like f a c t s? It's adorable. It's the same thing where people, you know, the save icon in uh, Word. People are like, well, I don't even know what that is. It's a box with a circle in the middle of it. And you're like, that was a disk. You had to save things onto a disk. A no floppy one, disk. And no one knows what those are anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. It is insane. Um, yeah. uh, well, we are old, uh, as are many of our listeners, I'm sure. So thank you for that trip down memory lane. And you can Janet. get that stuff uh, on digital um, and a DVD if you have the means to play a digital versatile disc. Thank you, Ryan Marth, for throwing yes, that into the you, chat Ryan. there. Versatile. Um, well, I do have the means because I am married to someone who will not throw away his DVDs or his DVD player. Wow. I finally got rid of my like CD player and my CDs. That's uh, that's an extra bit. I still have my, my uh, audio cassettes, though, I think, somewhere. Uh, well, those might, you know, they, they could come back again, just like yeah. vinyl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like vinyl. Just like vinyl. Boy. Uh, and you can get the vinyl version of uh, Spell Jams yes. right now. Speaking of vinyl, uh, many of you pre-ordered that vinyl edition when Spell Jams, the companion album to Spell Jammer, Adventures in Space, came out last fall. But we started to see folks get the vinyl uh, physical copy in their hands. It looks gorgeous. The artwork Beautiful. on the out, outer jacket and the inner jacket are just incredible. In addition to, of course, the music uh, that I'm sure is being played right now for someone who is adventuring in space. I was playing it this weekend, actually. It's such a, it, I, I put it back on in a rotation. Too, yeah, we were talking too. about the vinyl. I'm like, oh, this is so good. So good. Space! <laughs> That's my that's my <laughs> space is a place. <laughs> wild space. Which of course oh. I still have the, the the VHS thing for wild space. Oh my uh, god. Right here. Well uh, come over. You, you can play it. You and Mark can watch it on his DVD player. <laughs> on the no, it's a VHS. It has to be a VCR. Oh shoot, you're right. Oh, we, right. My dad has one of those for sure. <laughs> I'll send it to Florida. I'm not right even now. kidding. Yeah, he still watches, uh, you know, the 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 tape where he recorded uh, uh, Princess Dies and uh, <laughs> Prince Charles' Dye's wedding. wedding? Yes. He still thinks, like, these are viable gifts to give people. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody wants Nobody, that. Nobody's thing. wanted that for 43 years. Did he have it, like, in the closet? Like, oh, here, it's still yeah, in the plastic. Yeah, he used to win them, like, through, like, business. <laughs> like, if you, like, order this much carpet, then you can, like, get... A DVD or I'm sorry, a VHS player. Some I, our basement was like filled with them. <laughs> the, Are you sure it didn't just like fall off a truck somewhere? Shelly? I know this is starting to sound. As, a I'm, as I'm telling the story, I'm like, wait, maybe maybe I don't know the whole story. Wait, what about <laughs> is this like the wedding dress thing and the lotto tickets? <laughs> Can you? I do have like a whole list of things and the, the title of my list is lies my parents told me <laughs> that I'm like still like unearthing because people are like, wait, who what? told you that? That's not true. I'm like, I've literally never questioned this for decades. I've just wholly trusted these people. And like, yes, that is true. Like, are, can, will I get electrocuted if like I talk on the phone too long during a thunderstorm? Is that a true one? <laughs> no. 
Okay. No. Uh, add that to the list. Add that to the list. Um, <laughs> the only way that would happen is if like the lightning rod was like connected to your telephone line. But they. But even when we had like old school telephones, no? I don't think that was ever the case. But I remember hearing stuff like that uh, in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's a title of a book that you should write, Shelley. Lies, Lies my, my parents, parents told me. Son. I'm sure that is a title of something already. But well, I want to hear your specific <laughs> essays on all of those things. Okay, to start fleshing them out. <laughs> Making it happen, and it must it must have a much longer subtitle though. So you have to come oh, up with that. A hundred percent. Speaking yes. of uh, amazing things that you should check out, Touch the Dragons is uh, very excited about all the fun things that are coming for the end of the year in 2023. We'll have a lot more information about that coming up soon. If you want to just follow along on everything, D&D Beyond is a great source for that. Check out the community updates that are on the D&D Beyond Twitch channel every week from our amazing community team. And follow along on social media, wizards underscore DND. And of course, all of the other places you can find me at Greg Tito on Twitter. Uh, I'm on uh, Hive and Mastodon, and I'm waiting for an invite from Blue Sky. So if anybody's got one of those, send it my way. Of course, I have a website as well, gregtito.com. Check that out. Sign up for my newsletter, and you'll find out all the things that I'm doing. <gasps> newsletter? I know. I have to actually, now me saying that means I have to actually do an I'm issue of the newsletter. But what it about you, It could just Shelley? be a, like a welcome newsletter. Yeah. Um, I'm Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram and my website is ShellyMazinoble.com. I am going to have a newsletter, but I have to finish another project first. I know, right? There's so many other things popping up that are going on, including what's going on with Drunky Two Shoes. Oh, stuff's going on. Stuff and nonsense. So you activated the magical item, which showed a somewhat a recorded message by Shola, speaker from the Radiant Citadel, that was directing you to a place called Monivarsha. 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 Um, and I think you asked your companions to see how do you get there, and they said you can take one of the uh, crystals that travel between worlds yep. to that area. We're they doing thought. it. So uh, you were leaving the Radiant Citadel and some guards stopped you and questioned you a little bit and then you created a distraction or, or, or tried to persuade to get past. And I believe you did, were not successful in that I don't deception. I was. Um, and so uh, you tried to say, oh, yeah, what, what did you try to say to try to get out of, I forget. I, I was going to, to rescue her, Chola? And they're like, wait a second. We're all looking for her. Uh, hold on. Stop. Yeah. I believe the last thing I said to you, I didn't do it, but I think the last thing I said to you was, I'm going to punch that guy in the face. Oh, that's correct. Yes. And you punch them. <laughs> you know what? Roll for initiative. Yeah. I'm doing it. All right. This is your, uh, <laughs> your <laughs> impetuous character. Let's go. Drunky. Nine. Nine for initiative. Okay, I have a 15. Uh, so the guards, uh, you know, kind of put forth in a, in a defensive manner and they try to grab you. Nope. Um, so they rolled a 14. Does that hit your AC? Yes. Okay, so they grab a hold of your hands. Ow! And they say, all right, you've got to come with us. No, no. And they, they're, they're restraining you right now. Um, 
you're up. You're restrained. First, I say, bad mage hand, bad. Naughty, naughty mage hand. I'm so sorry. I have to get new batteries for that thing. But I didn't do it. It wasn't me that hit you. Okay, roll me a deception check. Uh, 13. 13. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, no, I've understood uh, my favorite third uncle was a sorcerer, and he would complain about his mage hand all the time. It happens. Okay, all right. And and you're sure you're, you're, you know, and he he looks at the the surrounding uh, folks around you who are about to, like, you know, try and help. um, And uh, you vouch for, for for this individual? Yeah, yeah, they do. And um, uh, you see Jonathan say, "Yes, of course. Yeah, we we, we are on a uh, very special mission from 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 Shola." Nobody is more surprised by the, any of this than Drunky. <laughs> yes, you're just like wide eyed, yeah. uh, and they're like, yep. "Well, g- good. You need to do that mission," uh, says uh, the guard. Uh, and then you hear uh, someone inside uh, call out. Someone inside the Radiant Citadel calls out. And they're like, okay, go ahead. And uh, they, 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 their attention goes towards the person calling out. Uh, to the guard that I hit in the face, I'd say, you're doing a great job. I'm so grateful you said that. I am up for uh, a promotion soon. Um, so if you could please not just tell me, but um, tell my superior and let him know. Um, I'm going to write a letter. I'm doing a good job. Thank you. I would really appreciate yeah. that. You got it. You got it. Okay, everyone. All right. Off we go. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye now. Have fun. Right. Yes, we will. Thank you so much. Okay, everyone, get into this yeah. crystal. So you guys walk towards uh, towards that area, and we'll pick it up there next time. Uh, as you see how what? you travel away, I rolled a one oh on my, my, my inside check. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a DC5, because this is, yeah, you know, they're never going to, or, you know, they're never going to be able to believe you. But no, I rolled the lowest I could I could roll. I didn't. I couldn't understand what was happening. Like, is this a trick? Is this? Wait, they're gonna. He's being sarcastic. I mean, he's actually not a good guard, me? as it turns out. Maybe Aww, he won't get promoted I, without I your recommendation. Gonna him, I'm gonna write him a letter. You should. You yeah. Should. Excellent. You. All right. Well, we'll see how you travel away from here next time. Love it. Love it.